Hi and welcome back to episode number 3 of Getting Entrepreneurial with Priyanshli Tata. This is a special episode. This is about the ongoing pandemic and the crisis that we had in India during the second wave in 2021. We are going to talk to someone who has led the whole fight against it from the forefront as a global leader and done some really remarkable and phenomenal work which will be written on the positive side of the history of this pandemic i welcome dr sv mahadevan he's the professor of emergency medicine and practices at stanford hospital and clinics His clinical focus are emergency medicine, international emergency medicine, medical education, emergency medical services and trauma. His he has so many awards and honors which are just uncountable but to name a few he has 25 emergency medicine and EMS professors you should know medical school technologies 2015 He has S.V. Mahadevan Emergency Medicine Faculty Leadership Award, Department of Emergency Medicine, Stanford University School of Medicine in 2017. He has citation for outstanding contributions to EMS education research and system development in India, GVK Emergency and Management Research Institute, EMRI 2018. I know that, you know, so many of you who must be listening to this podcast series are also from medical background public health background health tech background and coming from the background of entrepreneurship who have built innovative solutions or who are thinking of building post pandemic innovative solutions for making really Uh, complex problems solve uh, through your easy solutions this is the episode where you will get a depth of knowledge from dr mahadevan because he will give you not only the insights of what happened during the second wave and what went wrong but also about how can we improve and what should be absolutely essential to do in this episode so that we can sail through this pandemic this episode has been specially built and produced to dedicate it to our frontline healthcare workers who works with arogya and also outside arogya in india and other developing countries where the frontline healthcare workers are always fighting against this disease going door to door and the knowledge that we are trying to impart from this podcast is going to be very helpful for them stay tuned listen to this and hope you enjoy today we have a very special guest with us uh, dr mahadevan from sanford university he is uh, someone who we as healthcare organizations across the world adore and look up to uh, especially in difficult times like pandemic where he has been playing a vital role and a principal role in 
moving the entire right momentum from the front. So it is a great pleasure for me to welcome uh, Dr. Mahadevan with us today, where we will cover a really important topic about COVID. Uh, the formal introduction about Dr. Mahadevan is honestly not needed, but uh, I will go through some of his key achievements before we start with the questions. Dr. S. V. Mahadevan is professor of emergency medicine, and he is clinically focused in uh, working in emergency medicine at the Stanford Hospital and Clinics. He is also very, very uh, academic in his approach in taking the research forward for advancement of healthcare. He is director of South Asia Outreach Center for Asia Health Research and Education. He is also the founding chair of Department of Emergency Medicine, Stanford University School of Medicine. He has numerous awards and honors in his name for his outstanding work. A very few out of the many are like the SEMI Lifetime Achievement Award 2014, Society of Emergency Medicine in India, Citation of Outstanding Contribution to EMS Education, Research and Systems Development in India, GVK Emergency and Management Research Institute. So thank you so much, sir, today to make time and join us to cover this really important topic that we as an audience want to know from you, but most importantly, the frontline healthcare workers who works in uh, countries like India and other developing nations uh, would, would like to benefit from today's session. So shall we start with the questions? Sounds good. And thank you, Priyanjali, for having me. It's my pleasure, my privilege to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, the most important question to start with is uh, in context of India. Since India has just experienced the second wave and we are a very, very densely populated country, what, according to you, are the key preventive measures that should be taken to seize the possibility of any other COVID wave? Uh, thank you, Priyanjali. That's a very important question. And understanding how to answer that question starts with knowing how COVID-19 spreads from person to person and why it was able to spread during this second wave. The reasons for that primarily are that uh, many people are asymptomatic when they spread it to others. That means that they don't have a cough or a fever, that they look and feel fine. And because they look and feel fine, they're not wearing masks, you're not wearing masks. And what happens is it spreads silently from person to person. By the time you develop symptoms, if you develop symptoms, you might have already spread the disease to other people, including your family, your coworkers, your loved ones. And the most common way to get a COVID infection is to come in contact with somebody 
who has had COVID. So when you ask how do we prevent um, a third wave, a fourth wave, it's really adhering to the principles of understanding that the person that I may be near may have COVID and may not be exhibiting any symptoms. And so in those circumstances, what do you do? We need to wear masks. We need to ensure that others around us are wearing masks. We need to exercise outstanding hand hygiene. I can't emphasize enough, soap and water. And if you don't have soap and water, hand sanitizer. Then it's really about understanding and avoiding high-risk environments. And you might not even be aware of what a high-risk environment is. I'll give you an example. Sitting in a car with someone else and driving somewhere with the windows rolled up. In just that five to 10 minutes of spending time in the car with someone else who has COVID but is asymptomatic, they can transmit the infection to you because you're breathing in the air that they're expelling from their lungs. Avoid crowds. Avoid being indoors with people you don't know. Avoid places with poor ventilation. Try and stay at least six feet away from people that you don't know. And most importantly, as we'll discuss later in this webinar, get vaccinated. That's the only way to end the pandemic. Thank you. Thank you so much for this key information. In fact, uh, I also didn't know that an exposure of five minutes can be such a high risk. That's, that's an important information. The second question that we have is that if, for example, I think I have COVID, how will I uh, get to know that I might have COVID and I should get checked? What are the key symptoms that I can notice in myself? Sure, sure. Um, first of all, you know, the, the first important principle is the only way to know is to get tested. So if you've come into contact with someone who has COVID, or if you have symptoms of COVID, like fever, cough, a runny nose, fatigue, diarrhea, vomiting, or loss of your smell or taste, it is extremely important to get tested. And if you can't get tested, it's important to just assume that you might have gotten the virus from someone else. And once that you've made that assumption or you've tested positive, you need to isolate at home and avoid other people. This is really important to help spread the, the disease, prevent the spread of the disease to other people. So what do you do while you're isolating at home? It's very important to maintain your nutrition and hydration. So you have to eat and drink regularly. Keep your mask on. Wash your hands frequently. Don't share cups or utensils with other people because you could spread the illness to those individuals. And then it's very important to monitor your symptoms, especially your breathing. Is it difficult to breathe? Are you having a difficult time doing the things that you usually would do because you're short of breath? And so isolation, hydration, wearing masks, good hand hygiene, and avoiding sharing of utensils with others. Then it's about really um, checking your vital signs. It's important to check your oxygen level with a pulse oximeter and to learn to measure your respiratory rate, which is the number of breaths you take each minute. 
If your oxygen level is low or if your respiratory rate is high, that is concerning. And then if you develop symptoms like we mentioned, like a cough, fever, and especially shortness of breath, it's really important to consult with a physician. How do you know that you're getting worse? How do you know if you're isolating that things are getting worse and that you might need to go to the hospital? There are certain things that you will develop. First of all, difficulty breathing, as I mentioned, especially when you're doing things that normally you can do without any difficulty, like walking to the bathroom or walking upstairs. If you're feeling short of breath at rest when you're doing nothing, if you're just sitting and you're feeling short of breath, that's concerning. I mentioned an elevated respiratory rate if it's more than 30 times a minute or a low oxygen saturation. If it's less than 94%, that's concerning. Symptoms like chest pain, confusion, dizziness are also worrisome. And then finally, if you can't eat and drink, which is the way that you maintain your nutrition and hydration, it's time to go to the hospital. That's, that's so important. And while you're talking about the symptoms, I'm myself thinking if I have any of them because Delhi has been really bad. And it's so difficult that just when the lockdown uh, was undone, it seemed like everything is normal and nothing happened and people are all out on the road. So in a densely populated country like ours, it's so difficult to just find a place that can be low risk area. I would assume that there's no low-risk area, Priyanjali. I, I, that's the thing. We can't let our guard down. It's when we let our guard down is when we run into difficulties. So it's important just because everybody is going back out into the streets and shopping and doing all those things, please don't let your guard down because that's when you'll get COVID. Right, right, absolutely. And I think that's what happened even when the second wave hit. It just hit really bad and people completely went from roads to home and it was all empty my next question is that i think this is so important and uh, post-covid symptoms so what are post-covid symptoms and how long do they last sure sure a great question so post-covid symptoms are any symptoms that you continue to experience four weeks after having COVID. Uh, And it's really important to understand that even people that didn't have symptoms initially, that is, they they didn't have a fever or cough or runny nose, can develop these post-COVID conditions and symptoms. And so there's something called long COVID syndrome that can last from weeks to months. And so what are the symptoms that someone who has long COVID might have? They might have uh, fatigue or they might feel tired all the time. Often people describe something called a brain fog where they feel it's difficult to think or concentrate. They might have a headache or loss of their smell or taste. When they stand up, they might feel dizzy. They might feel as if their heart is racing or their heart is pounding. They might develop symptoms like chest pain, or as I mentioned, difficulty breathing, shortness of breath. They might continue to have a cough, muscle and joint pains. It's very important to monitor for psychiatric manifestations of COVID, like development of depression or anxiety. People can also get fever. And 
If your symptoms get worse after physical or mental activities, it may be related to this post-COVID syndrome. But what's really important, one of the reasons you want to avoid getting COVID, if possible, is there can be other long-lasting effects on other important organs in your body, like your heart. You can develop heart failure or other complications with your heart. Your lungs are often damaged after having severe COVID, so you can develop infections like pneumonia. People can develop strokes and seizures. Even young individuals can develop strokes and seizures. Children can develop these, this um, multi-system inflammation that can occur as a result of COVID. People can get blood clots. And as I mentioned, psychiatric and mental health symptoms like stress, depression, and anxiety. Wow, it, it almost feels like this can go around and create havoc in the body, anywhere, all organs, and especially mental health has been so badly impacted for all of us. Most definitely. My next question is, if I am recovering from COVID-19 infection, and in case I have a question about do I need to get vaccinated? And if I need to get vaccinated, when should I get the vaccine? So I think this is a question for a lot of people and especially the frontline healthcare workers who get this question in communities where information doesn't reach that easily. So if you can sure. tell us about that. Another important question. So what happens when we get COVID and recover from COVID? Some individuals, maybe a third, as I mentioned, can get what we call long COVID syndrome, where they continue to experience these symptoms. But generally, when you have a viral infection, you develop something called natural immunity. And natural immunity is this immunity that you get as a result of having the infection that generally prevents you from getting another infection. So most people that have had COVID-19, if you were to test their blood, you'll find that they have um, antibodies against the virus. And the only problem is it's not clear that having these antibodies will protect you if you're exposed to the virus again, especially if you're exposed to new versions of the virus, like these variants. And it's not clear how long, if you've gotten an infection, how long those antibodies last. Is it three weeks? Is it six weeks? Is it three months? We don't really know. So it's important to, to remember, you may have gotten some short-lived immunity from getting the infection, but again, this natural immunity may not protect you against variants like the Delta variant. And I think this is one of the reasons that the Delta variant spread across India and infected so many people is, I think we got complacent and many people thought, I had COVID, so I probably can't get it again. And here it rapidly spread throughout the country. And Again, you don't know which variant you got when you got infected. Generally, we test for COVID, but we don't test for what kind of variant that you might have had. So your question is an important one. If I've had COVID and I've recovered, do I need to get the vaccination? And the answer is a resounding yes. Absolutely, you need to get the vaccination. And then the question next is, well, how long after having COVID before I can safely get vaccinated? 
In the U.S., the guideline is as follows. If you're no longer at risk of exposing other people to the virus, you can get your vaccine at any time. And generally, how do we know that you're no longer at risk? If it has been 10 days since your first symptoms of COVID and you no longer have symptoms, you are no longer infectious. You don't need to get a COVID test to prove that you're no longer infectious. Once it's been 10 days and you feel okay, you are no longer infectious. In India right now, the guidance is to wait three months after you've recovered before getting your vaccine. So the question might be, is it dangerous to get the vaccine earlier than three months? And the answer is no. As long as it's been 10 days and you're no longer having symptoms and you're no longer infectious, it is safe to get the vaccine. So there's a difference between the U.S. guidelines and the Indian guidelines. So another question that comes up is, is delaying that second dose of the vaccination harmful or potentially harmful? So this is a very interesting question that's being studied right now. And that is for some vaccines, if you delay the time between the first and second doses, what we're finding is it actually might be better and that you might get a stronger immune response to that delay as opposed to the traditional three or four weeks between doses. And the other benefit of extending that window between the first and second dose is that more people have a chance to get the first dose. And that means even though the protection is not as good as two doses, it's more protection for more people. And just out of curiosity, there was a recent study of uh, delaying the Pfizer vaccine second dose from three to 12 weeks. And what they found was if you delayed it to 12 weeks, that you have a threefold higher level of antibodies. But the truth is, we need more data. And I think a lot of people are doing studies right now to see if it's okay to, to, to extend that time frame between the first and second dose. Okay, I think when uh, we got AstraZeneca first dose, the healthcare workers in India, around February first week, we were given the second dose in the fourth week of February. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. now when I got my parents and my sister vaccinated, they have given us a window of three months for the second dose. So it will be really interesting. And I will be very happy if this works out better because I, I like anyone else, is so concerned about my family. And of we course. Need... Yes, um, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we have a very important question, uh, which... A lot of people have in their mind, and especially for our frontline healthcare workers who can address this question very well, uh, this will help them a lot. Once vaccinated, are there still precautions that should be taken in COVID-19 variants, which are still out there? That's a, a great question. It's a question that we're asking ourselves right now in the United States. Um, so let's just talk about uh, immunity after a vaccination. You had mentioned your parents, you know, and the delay of three months. So understanding how vaccines work is very important. After you get the first dose, you do get some immunity. And what that first dose does is it initiates this immune response in your body. However, you are still vulnerable 
to COVID after that first dose. It's very important. When you get the second dose of the vaccine, you get a really robust immune response. This is what we call the booster shot. And then after two weeks, generally two weeks after that second dose, that's when you get the full immunity from the vaccination. So as you can see, between the first dose and two weeks after the second dose, we are still vulnerable to getting the infection. But I think there's an important question that you've posed, which is, does this vaccine protect against the variants? And, yeah. and to understand that it's really, you have to understand what the goal of COVID vaccines are. COVID vaccines are not intended to prevent all COVID infections. In fact, no vaccine is 100% effective. The goal of COVID vaccines is to prevent hospitalizations and to prevent deaths. And it does it very well. In the United States and United Kingdom, there is data right now to suggest that both the mRNA vaccines as well as the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine or Covishield in India offer protection against the variants. The problem is there may still be new variants out there that we don't even know about or that are evolving. So what is my advice? You've been vaccinated. It's been two weeks. Is it okay to throw the mask off and go out into public or go into your practice and be fine? My recommendation is one that is a conservative one, which is it's better to be safe than to be sorry. So I would recommend that you continue to wear masks that you continue to wash your hands and use hand sanitizer, that you continue as best as you can to avoid these high-risk environments, stay away from people that you don't know, even if you've been vaccinated, until we have more information, until more of the population has been vaccinated and we can sort of achieve herd immunity, until we know more about the effectiveness against all variants, it's better to exercise caution than to be cavalier. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, we have got so many questions about which vaccine is better. Is it AstraZeneca, which is Covishield in India, or Covaxin here, which is uh, locally being manufactured? And we don't know. As healthcare workers, we do not have the right answer for anyone. But we do tell them, whatever you get at this point of time, please go ahead and take it. Because there are a lot of people who are not even getting any access to get one dose of vaccine. So I think it's not an option to choose from. So I have an answer for you for that, for them, if they ask you, which vaccination yes. should I get? Yes. Um, you tell them the best vaccination is the one that's in your arm. Yeah, that's that's so beautiful. Right, right. That's the yeah. best vaccination. Doesn't matter which one it is. If it's yes. in your arm, then it has a chance to work. If it's still in the bottle, if it's still in the vial, it can't do anything for you. So get the one that's available to you. This is so beautiful. I think this is the highlight of the whole uh, session today, and um, I will definitely put out this word the same way as you have just said. This is so beautiful. Okay, so thank you. Thank you so much, sir, for taking out the time today and to do the podcast with us. We will try our best to 
convert this into local languages as much as we can and send it out as video clips and audio clips depending on whatever the access is best for the audience um especially in maharashtra and uganda where we are working right now so uh, that is that is going to be for the frontline healthcare workers and also for general audience to have covered such important information we'll put it out on uh, our youtube platform so that we can share spread it with our friends and family and uh, our network and uh, maybe we will come up with some questions if people have any any specific questions and uh, i'll i'll quickly write write it down and send it to you sure it would be my pleasure and i want to commend you and arogya on all the work that you're doing with cancer screening and all of your community health workers i want to salute all of them and thank them thank for their hard work Thank you so much sir that means a lot thank you my pleasure please stay tuned for further episodes and if you have any feedback or you want to write to us this is our email id priyanjali p r i y a n j a l i at the rate pingaweb.com that's all for now i hope to see you all super soon in next episode